Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. As the federal government shutdown continues with no end in sight, we're going to talk today about its effects in Utah. We'll look at effects on government employees, how the shutdown is affecting Utah's national parks, among other topics. And we want to hear from you. Is the shutdown affecting you? What do you think should be done? You can comment right now to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, Utah Public Radio is going to be carrying the president's speech tonight. That's at 7 o'clock. It'll be happening on most networks right here as well um, on Utah Public Radio, 7 o'clock tonight. We'll see what the president says. I want to hear what you say, uh, including... Uh, do you think the president will invoke emergency powers uh, tonight, and should he? All of those topics uh, during this hour. And we're going to be talking specifically about effects in Utah. Um, this government shutdown uh, affects much of the federal government, including departments of agriculture and uh, commerce, justice, treasury, housing and urban development, other agencies, and uh, customs and border protection agents. Uh, are expected to work during the shutdown. Coast Guard employees, TSA agents, correctional officers, FBI agents, and others, firefighters among those. Uh, Close to 400,000 workers are being furloughed, which means they'll be unable to work or receive pay until the deal is made. That includes uh, NASA, HUD, and uh, Department of uh, Commerce. Uh, Some Areas that uh, might affect your life. Uh, Travel could be affected. National parks, some are open, some are closed, some are partially open. Uh, Small business owners won't uh, be able to have access to federal loans and technical assistance. Home buyers looking to receive federal government money will need to wait and uh, other effects. And, of course, if you work for the federal government, you are directly, perhaps, affected. And uh, we turn next to uh, Shelley Carver, National Treasury Employees Union Chapter 67, I believe in Ogden. Right, Shelley Carver? That is correct. Uh, so these are, uh, for in your union, they're um, employees of the Treasury Department. This is the IRS? Um, yes, that's correct. Uh, so how many, how many employees uh, working there and affected? There are roughly about 5,000 employees in the Ogden location, and roughly 75% of them are in a furlough status. Roughly about 25% is considered essential, and they are required to work without pay. So the employees, 75% who are uh, furloughed, uh, what does that mean for them? They're, they're essentially out of work for a time. Is that what it, that means? Um, that is correct, and they're not being paid as well. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a, how long is that? So since the beginning of the shutdown, they've been furloughed or? That is correct. Since, uh, midnight on December 21st. Uh, any help, um, uh, for them or they're, they're just, it's kind of on their own. What's, uh, what, any services available for them? Um, most furloughed employees have gone out and applied for unemployment through the Department of Workforce Services, which due to the um, high level of claims being filed, um, there will be a delay in that process. We've also had some local charities reach out indicating, saying that they could provide food assistance for furloughed employees. So that's what are you hearing from these employees? That's got a, uh, that's a huge stress on those families, I would imagine. Well, exactly. Um, when it first started, there's the usual fear and anxiety. 
now it's just uncertainty. They're feeling demoralized. And you can start um, hearing and feeling the anger coming from them because we all just want to go back to work. Are they, what are you hearing? Are they blaming anyone in particular? Or, uh, what uh, What are you hearing? Um, they just feel like they're in a political fight that they did not create and we have no control over. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, no end in sight. I, I mean, the president could uh, tonight uh, say, "Hey, I'm declaring emergency powers and uh, going to take money from the from the military," and uh, th- that could potentially end this. But uh, other than that, maybe no end in sight. Uh, what do you uh, when they contact you? What do you tell them? I guess you part of this is keeping their morale up or, and directing them to services. What do you tell them? Um, pretty much what you said: keeping their morale up, um, directing them to services. Uh, giving them updates on how they apply for those services. And the administration has also indicated that tax refunds will go out on time. And the only way for them to do so is to call back uh, more of more of those uh, non-essential employees to work without pay. Uh, so I guess a glimmer of hope, question mark. So let, let, that's a good transition to the 25% who are deemed essential, required to come to work without pay. Is that what's happening? That's correct. So if we are still in a shutdown status, they would require um, those employees that they need for the filing season to be called back to work, but it would still be without pay. Hmm. Now, I recall in, in past shutdowns, Congress has, after it's uh, the dust has settled, um, authorized retroactive pay. I guess that would be the hope, the ask, right? But we don't know for sure if that'll happen. That is correct. There's uncertainty on whether um, there will be back pay involved. That has to be, of course, um, approved through our uh, legislative branch, the Senate and Congress, and um, also passed by the administration. Hmm. I read that uh, a union, uh, at least in Washington, D.C., was uh, at least planning on suing over this, over this practice of deeming employee essential, requiring you to come to work without pay. Is that something that your union would support? Um, Yes, and I believe it was the National Treasury Employees Union Ah, National Office who filed that lawsuit yesterday. Yeah. Oh, they filed it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It seems uh, it seems like that should be uh, litigated, right? That <laughs> should be decided. Um, well, well, we agree. Um, no employee should have to work without being paid. Um, for instance, we are now in week three of the shutdown. Most employees, had we been working, would expect a paycheck this weekend into Monday, and. Whether you're non-essential or essential, there is no paycheck coming. Individuals have rent, mortgages, food, utility bills, um, daycare bills. Some non-essential employees also, in order to keep their daycare slot, still have to pay their daycare price. Hmm, Even though they're not working, because if they... 
if they don't um, keep that payment up, they will lose their children's daycare slot. Mm. And that could be a that could be a pretty large expense. It's, that is correct. Yeah, that is yeah. correct. Depending on whether you have an infant or a toddler or older. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know. There must be some frustration, especially among government employees, such as those in your union, that this seems to be happening on a kind of a regular basis. Uh, you know, the the the, the Congress. Uh, and the president can't seem to get together and and uh, pass uh, clean budget bills. It seems to be heavily politicized these days. That is correct. We get really frustrated, or um, employees get really frustrated that this continually goes on, and um, we just want to work and do the work the work that we were hired to do for the American people. By the way, uh, apart from you know, looking at normal days there at the IRS, is that a good place to work? What uh, What's it like? Um, I have worked there um, the end of the month. I'll be going into my 34th year. Um, I stayed there because I enjoyed the work, and I enjoyed um, my position in helping educate the taxpaying public. So I have liked my job there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, you you made reference to the fact that the uh, the Trump administration has announced um, that uh, the uh, tax refunds will go out um, as usual, and so you're saying that that would take more than the 25 percent of the employees that are deemed essential right now. That is correct. It would require um, more essential employees or non-essential employees deemed essential and they would be required to work without pay yeah i don't know you and they, 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 yeah go ahead they incur, um and those individuals that are essential and are working still have the expense of their transportation to work and all those other costs that they incur to get to work mm. without being paid yeah. Um, so th- this is what uh, third week I think of the shutdown. Um, uh, what what's the breaking point? Um, do you think some of these employees haven't been able to yet to get uh, unemployment assistance? Um, there was on our local news station. Um, they were they they've been aware, and there was an influx of claims, which. Just due to that, it will cause some delays in that, possibly. Plus, there's some information that we are, as employees, are required to provide to them. And um, because we are not in our um, working office, we are unable to get some of that data. So that is a further frustration for employees. Hmm. Could there be, I don't know, I'm, I'm searching for a glass, you know, quarter full or something here. Could there be a silver lining here that uh, uh, that uh, due to shutdowns, uh, people um, see the benefits of, of the work you do? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. Um, well, well, yeah. Uh, when it, As far as the IRS, when it comes to tax refunds, um, 
the American public definitely relies on us to get those processed and out timely. Yeah. Um, so. There's, a, you know, at the beginning of the filing season, there are millions of people that file for their their, their tax refunds. Yeah, it, and it's much needed a lot of work. tax refunds for them. Yeah. Um, so any anything else you'd like to say here at the end? Uh, we, we, we'll go on to the next segment here, but uh, there's, uh, you say some 5,000 employees there in, in Ogden, 75% of them uh, furloughed, um, and the, those who are deemed essential not getting paychecks either. Um, I guess the, the, the sense is that you hope that this can be resolved as soon as possible, I would, I would imagine. We would. We would like it to be... Um we would all like to go back to work. We want to go back to work. We want to do the work that we were hired to do. And um, we've also, uh, we'll be doing a rally at the Ogden Federal Building on Thursday from 12 to 1. And we welcome all IRS employees or any federal workers to come down and join us in that rally to end the uh, government shutdown. Okay. Uh, would you say Thursday? Thursday between 12 and 1 okay. at the Ogden Federal Building, which is 324 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. All right. Oh, come down and support the employees there. Uh, Shelley Carver, National Treasury's, uh, Treasury Employees Union, Chapter 67 there in Ogden. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You have a good day. You too. We will take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with Lyman Hafen with the uh, uh, Zion Forever Project. And uh, later in the program, we'll be talking with Vicki Varela, Managing Director, Utah Office of Tourism, and Lance Syrett, uh General Manager of Ruby's Inn, next to Bryce Canyon National Park. We want to hear from you, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We'll be carrying the President's uh, talk tonight. What do you think he should say? What do you think he should do? What do you think Congress should do? How can this be resolved? How should it be resolved? And uh, are you being affected by the shutdown? What services are you most uh, concerned about? Uh, upraxis at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as well, at upraxis. More following this break. Did you know that parental involvement in youth sports programs can strengthen family relationships? Research on the impact of parental involvement in their children's sports participation, the role of sport participation on family relationships and parent-child interaction, and the outcomes of parent support and pressure in youth and adolescent sports contexts have been highlighted in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Chicago Tribune. This research is also being used by youth sport leagues, administrators, and parents to build effective sport programs that support youth development. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. We're talking about the government shutdown on the program today. It's I think it's in its third week. Uh, no end in sight. The president is going to address the nation tonight. We'll have that uh, talk, uh, that speech, um, on Utah Public Radio, 7 p.m. Uh, today, 7 p.m. Uh, this evening. 
we have been talking with Shelley Carver, National Treasury Employees Union Chapter 67, about the impact on IRS employees there in Ogden. Uh, we'll be talking with Vicki Varela, Managing Director of Utah Office of Tourism, and uh, later in the program, Lance Syrett, General Manager of uh, Ruby's Inn, which is next to Bryce Canyon National Park. Lyman Hafen uh, joins us now. He's with the Zion Forever Project. Lyman Hafen, uh, thank you for joining the program. Well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, so tell us about the uh, the Zion Forever Project. What is it? Well, we're the uh, we're the official nonprofit partner of Zion National Park. Um, some people, or most people, might recall us or remember us as the Zion Natural History Association. That's who we were for about eighty years. But in the last two or three years, we've become the uh, Zion National Park Forever Project, or the Zion Forever Project, and we. We work basically shoulder to shoulder with our park service partners here in Zion, as well as uh, Cedar Breaks National Monument and Pipe Spring National Monument. And we we run the bookstores and the visitor centers. We we publish. We create uh, educational materials for the visitors. We we basically run a, a very successful business in the park, and all those profits go back. To the park uh, for projects, um, you know, needed projects in the park. And then recently we've begun, um, through the Zion Forever Project, we've begun a national philanthropic uh, campaign for Zion National Park and for those long-term needs in the park to sustain it uh, now and, and forever. And what is uh, what has your role been in in this uh, shutdown? Has have you needed to expend non-government funds to help keep the park open? We have, you know, what what well, I guess the the best way to sort of set this up is that you know as the um, as the shutdown was looming, we realized and knew had a good sense of what those what those ramifications would be in Zion because we've kind of been through this process two or three times over the last year or so. But we um, we were very, very fortunate to have the state of Utah step forward immediately and pretty much seamlessly, you know, step in through a, a donation agreement with the, uh, with the National Park Service well, or, and with the uh, federal government to fund a very basic... Um, uh, level of services in the park for the first uh, 10 days of that shutdown. And um, the interesting thing about the shutdown for, for Zion is that, the, you know, the Department of the Interior mandates that the park remain open, that it remain accessible to the public. But then the catch-22 is that there's no funds to provide services to the visitor um, to the visitors that come. So on December 22nd, when the shutdown began, the park gates were open. There was no one at the at those entrances to collect fees. You, you know that you could just drive in and enjoy the park at your leisure. And um, and but without the state stepping in the way they did, um, the visitor center would have been closed. Most all restrooms would have been closed. Um, custodial services and trash collection and those kinds of things would not have been in place. And uh, and so the, the state's initial um, 
uh, you know, assertiveness there to, to play that role was really key. And then during that uh, 10-day period, we, we were able to sort of regroup as well through our organization and, and be able to step in when that state funding ended on the 31st of uh, December. And so we, as the Forever Project, funded that same level that the state had been doing from the 1st to the 5th. And then during that week, last week, um, another uh, kind of coalition came together as the state stepped forward again, and we were able to bring together the state of Utah, uh, Washington County, and the city of St. George, along with the Zion Forever Project, in a kind of a four-way support where we're, we were able to actually up the level of services to a degree and we each uh, pitched in um, one, you know, 25% of that cost to keep the to keep those services in, services in place until um, the end of this week, which would be the the 12th Saturday, the 12th. So that's kind of where we are now. We've, um, you know, everyone who cares about the park cares about the, um, the sustaining the park through this shutdown has realized that, you know, we, we do need to find a way to keep those basic services in place because the people are still coming, and that's important, not only, you know, to our mission, but to the economy of this part of the state as well as the state of Utah. So um, uh, you have a plan, I guess, through the end of uh, end of this week. What What happens beyond that if the shutdown goes beyond that? Well, as soon as um, I get off this call, I will be <laughs> I will be getting into a, a conference call with our our board and the Park Service folks and and others, uh, including the state of Utah and others who are looking at new scenarios and new possibilities. We've all got our fingers crossed that this thing will end, but we also know the reality that we've got to be ready to to do what's right for the park uh, through, ever, through whatever uh, period this, this keeps going. And so there, there are some other uh, avenues that our Park Service partners are looking at, uh, different uh, possibilities for funding. They're looking into the legalities of those. And, uh, but it, it's, still, it's still most likely going to remain necessary for, for our organization the Forever Project, and and hopefully the state and others who would pitch in um, to help keep this uh, level of services going in the park. Um, we don't know what that scenario will be for next week, but we do know we're working on it, and we want to. We, won't, we just we simply want to do what's best for Zion and what's best for the visitors who are coming. Uh, forgive what's uh, probably a foolish question. Um, you said, uh, you know, if, uh, if if there weren't any services, but the, the, the park's mandated to be open, gate, gate is open, uh, you know, couldn't I just uh, drive in, drive out to a remote location, enjoy the park, and I, I don't need services? What uh, um, well, what would happen uh, if, if there were no services? You could, <laughs> you could look at it that way, though. The, um, obviously, if there are no restrooms available, that's an issue. Uh, most most people, most visitors are um, 
And that's been the heartening thing about this, at least what we've experienced in Zion over the last couple of weeks, is that most visitors are awesome and they're, they care about the park, they're good stewards, and they're stepping up themselves during this process. Um, but that, but still, you know, the natural uh, way of things is, to, is for there to be degradation if, there, if those kinds of basic services are not in place. But we feel good that, you know, that through these efforts, um, the Park Service has been able to, to at least stay even with, if not ahead of, of a lot of that. The thing that's important to note, though, is that, the, you know, the level of services in the park right now are just a fraction. I've heard it noted it's maybe just a tenth of what uh, would normally be um, going on in the park at from the, from the service standpoint. But that includes all the things that go on behind the scenes, um, uh, the maintenance, the ongoing maintenance that occurs, the projects that are not getting done. This is a time of year when um, a lot of the key projects are planned during the year. Uh, the folks who do those projects, the folks who do that maintenance, they are not allowed into the park. They're, they're shut out and they're not being paid, and there's uh, even even the the park curator who um, who has um, you know has care of all the priceless objects uh, collected by the park is not able to even come into her office uh, and be involved in the many projects that she has ongoing. And so there's there are a lot of things that are done at this time of year that are not. You, cannot be done because those employees are not allowed to, to be in the park. And I can guarantee you, if they were allowed to be, they would be here. They would be working. They would be doing what they do, uh, whether they were getting paid or not, because they really, they're getting, they are so uh, devoted to to what they do and to, to the well-being of Zion. So it's just, it's a difficult situation. It's, um, you know, it, because people are coming forward and, and the way the state stepped forward in such a heroic way in the beginning, that set a, a, a sort of a standard for others to, to reach out. And we're, we're, I, I just feel like we're, we're doing our best to make the best of a difficult situation. Uh, finally, coming down to uh, near the end of the segment here, um, I um, wonder where I mean, there's motivation, obviously, in, in Washington County and the, the area there. Uh, because Zion is a big economic factor, uh, I wonder how, how big. Is it the top of the economy, near the top? What, uh, what's the effect? Well, I'm, I don't have any figures in front of me, but um, the, I mean, just the fact that the county would step forward, the city of St. George would step forward, others who have come to us expressing their support, I think it's just obvious to everyone that Zion National Park has a great deal to do, not only with the livelihoods of everyone who lives in southern Utah, and really the state of Utah as well, but that it has a huge impact on their lives, personal lives as well. And so there's that that part, that idealistic part of sustaining the resource, but then there's the economic side of it too that is um, important. 
And uh, that the thing that we've discovered as we've begun the Zion Forever project is that businesses and individuals and institutions and foundations are very open to um, helping support the needs in the park. You know, the deferred maintenance, the millions and millions of dollars of deferred maintenance in the park, and all of those things, uh, people are stepping forward uh, to and realizing that the federal government probably isn't going to do everything that it really should do and that we've got to fill in some gaps. And right now, while the federal government literally is not doing what it should do, uh, it's in this dysfunctional situation, we're we're just looking for the best ways to um, to sustain Zion day to day, and and then for uh, for the long run as well. Uh, by the way, um, just while we have you on here, I'll give a plug for your website, LimanHafen.com. They're books. <laughs> so, oh. R- Roping the Wind is a wonderful book, and the <laughs> latest yeah. one on Cloudy Mountain. Originally published by University of Utah Press. Uh, yeah, that's... In fact, the last time I was on Access Utah was when uh, Roping the Wind was introduced. And, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, up here, USU Press uh, published that in 1995, I think, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A wonderful, that wonderful about book. A generation ago, but. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, maybe here yeah, at the maybe I'll, here at the the end, uh, have you talk about this? You've you've been involved in in you know uh, landscape and the story of the American Southwest. Something's been very important to you, obviously, to many in yeah. Utah and, and many who come from around the world to visit the national parks and state uh, state parks. Uh, that, yeah. It's 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 an important part of your life. It certainly is, and you know the public lands are. Are precious and and uh, you know I come from a ranching background and a you know a, a, a utilitarian background as it relates to especially the BLM lands that that we've um, for five generations our family has um, been has been ranching on on BLM land and that and that's precious and important and those resources have to be managed well and and right. But when it comes to the national park and the, the um, you know these national treasures such as Zion, um, it's it's a that that realm of of sustaining and um, and really keeping these places uh, as they should be for future generations is a it's a big job and that that is my day job is to work to um, I, I still write. But my day job is to um, be uh, is to head up this organization that is working, you know, shoulder to shoulder with um, Zion National Park. Well, Ivanhaven is with the Zion Forever Project, uh, and they're helping uh, to keep Zion National Park open with services um, during this government shutdown. Lyman Haven, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, later in the program, we're going to hear from Lance Syrett, General Manager of Ruby's Inn, adjacent to uh, Bryce Canyon uh, National Park. Uh, and we're going to go to Vicki Varela next, Managing Director, Utah Office of Tourism. Before we do that, we've been we're interwe- what I'm trying to do is interweave some politics uh, uh, with uh, the practical aspects of the government shutdown. And uh, so I've uh, asked uh, you a couple of questions. Are you being affected by the shutdown? What services are you most concerned about? Uh, and what can and should be done about the shutdown? 
What do you hope uh, President uh, Trump says tonight? That address, 7 o'clock, that'll be on Utah Public Radio. What should President Trump do? What should Congress do? Those are the questions. We had uh, an email from Adam. Adam says, hello, the Democrats should approve the funds to secure the southern border to stop the infiltration of criminals into our country. And NPR should stop focusing on the shutdown and focus on the problem, which is the Democratic Party, using this as something the president is doing wrong. Most U.S. citizens would like to secure the southern border. Respectfully, Adam. Thanks for that opinion, Adam. And uh, if you have a differing opinion or the same opinion, um, you, um, uh, you, you can uh, certainly uh, reach us, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or on Twitter at upraxcess. Uh, so we go next to uh, Vicki Varela, Managing Director, Utah Office of uh, Tourism. Um, of course, the Mighty Five here are, uh, uh, that's a big draw, Vicki Varela. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so how are, are all the parks open in Utah? Uh, uh, the uh, the gates are open at all of the parks except for Arches, where a winter storm has had the gates closed. So far as I know, the gates are still closed there this morning. Uh, so uh, because of, uh, I guess, the, the, the roads haven't been cleared then? or the Correct. Yeah. Um, so... I'm I'm wondering then what what is the of course the state has definitely been involved here right uh, providing funds for services in the national parks. Uh, yes, the state went into emergency mode as it was um, clear that we were going to have a shutdown. We collaborated with the national park superintendents and BLM folks to identify where the highest projected visitation was. Uh, through the holidays, that was Arches, Bryce, and Zion. And so uh, the state underwrote the costs of custodial and visitor services at those three parks. And our reasoning in that is that we wanted to make sure that we take care of our customers. That is a core uh, driving philosophy of everything we do at the Utah Office of Tourism. We're trying to attract customers that will really appreciate um, the Utah um, offerings, these spectacular natural vistas, and that will come back over and over. And in order to get those high-spending, high-qualified visitors, you have to treat them right. We also wanted to do right by the natural resources to make sure that there were these qualified National Park Services folks that were on duty, guiding people toward the right um, hikes and so forth, and and ensuring that the resources are protected. And then finally, we wanted to do right by the local businesses. These rural communities are so dependent on the tourism industry, and our modest investment um, helped to keep them whole through the end of the year. Yeah, a little bit later in the program, we're going to hear from Lance Syrett from uh, Ruby's Inn, the, the illustrative of... Uh, many of these communities which heavily depend on visitation to the national parks. Exactly. You know, I'll give you one example. You know, we uh, it will still be a difficult year for many of these local businesses because uh, we've, got, we've patched work the best that we could. Uh, but I had a conference scheduled last week um, at uh, uh, in Springdale uh, at uh, Outside of Zion National Park, I had 30-plus people basically booked out a whole hotel 
I had to cancel that at the very last minute uh, because of the uh, federal partners who were not able to participate in the conference. So that hotelier went from absolutely full to empty in a day. You know, and that's just one example of the way these businesses are being impacted. Hmm. Um. Tell me about the uh, the impact on the on the economy of uh, the, and vi- these are visitors from around the world, right? And and the nation and from Utah who are visiting the national parks. Uh, I, I would imagine it's lower in the winter, but still still you have people coming. Yeah, actually, uh, more and more people realize that one of the best times in in the whole year to visit our national parks is in the winter. Uh, because you get that snow on Red Rock, uh, and you get a little more of the park to yourself. And so at a time when these businesses have worked so hard to expand into the winter market, um, it was especially important that we do what we could to keep them as whole as possible. Mm. Of course, some of the uh, services are, are, I'm not sure if you know, but um, uh, you visit a national park, uh, the basic services are there, of course, that helped by the by your office. Um, if you get in trouble, you get stranded or something, is that still, that's a county service, is it? You know, it's, it really varies uh, community to community based on the local circumstances, the collaboration between the national park and the local community. I was just on the phone yesterday with uh, uh, community leaders in the Bryce Canyon area, um, they are deeply engaged in doing whatever they can to support that park. Well, let's uh, uh, put pause here just briefly with Vicki Rella. Uh, we have a caller who I think wants to comment uh, on the government uh, shutdown. Um, so uh, go ahead, caller. Um, I live in Logan. I have many friends who work for the federal government, and I work with the federal government several different agencies on a daily basis. That's number one. Number two is the president um, clearly and publicly said that he would be happy to own a shutdown, so there's not really any question of how to blame this. And the third is the more long-term situation. I'm, I'm very concerned that this is regularly, the public employees are being used as a bargain chip. And in this case, uh, public employees have no real direct connection to a wall along the southern border, yet their livelihoods are being taken away from them through no fault of their own. So, and I'll take the any comments off the air. Thank you. Okay, I, I don't know if there are any comments. I don't know if uh, Vicky Varela, if you want to <laughs> touch this yes. at, at all. Yes, I would actually love to respond to that uh, because here's my experience with the federal workers: is that um, at Bryce Canyon and in particular, we've had federal workers who have just gone to lengths, uh, unfathomable lengths, uh, to make this uh, the most positive uh, holiday season they could. Uh, They are accommodating uh, unprecedented winter season crowds at their visitor centers. Uh, They're doing everything they can to get out and circulate in the park to make sure that the the resources are safe. They're keeping the uh, parks clean. People arrive to uh, clean restrooms and trash that's been picked up. Uh, I, I just cannot say enough about the great partnership with the National Park Superintendents and their teams uh, to get through this very difficult time. 
Uh, finally, Vicarello, uh, what's the plan going forward? Is is your office, is the state planning on uh, continuing to, to kick in money along with the partners to provide services in the national parks? Well, I'm so glad you had Lyman Hafen on just before me because the key to this is strong partnerships. Uh, the uh, foundations that support these national parks, the city of St. George, Washington County, they're all our partners in figuring this out. I did not get a guidebook when I took this role on what to do if the federal government doesn't function. So we are having to figure this out one day at a time uh, to use uh, uh, strong guiding principles, as I described to you, and then figure out how we can all partner together to get through this very difficult period. Well, thank you very much. Vicki Varela, um, Managing Director with the Utah Office of Tourism. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, coming up, we'll have a conversation with Lance Syrett with Ruby's Inn, which is next to uh, Bryce Canyon National Park. Uh, thanks to Paul. Uh, appreciate your call. Thanks to uh, uh, Adam as well for his uh, email. You can email us. We'd love to to get your take on the government shutdown. What can and should be done? Are you affected? Uh, Paul said he had uh, friends who were, who were directly affected, and uh, he expressed frustration that the federal government can't get its act together, pass a, a clean budget in the process. He disagreed with uh, Adam. He uh, he said he, he thought this is on the president. In fact, the president said this is my shutdown. Uh, and Jennifer uh, in Vernal has called in. She said she thought Adam's comment was morally repugnant. She feels it's immoral to characterize all the people leaving these countries as criminals. Uh, she says uh, people uh, fleeing these countries are are fleeing these countries because Americans are purchasing drugs, so people are coming to escape that. And she says China has a great wall, and people can slide over it. She said Adam has. Uh, uh, she disagrees with Adam, and uh, we have plenty of criminals in this country, and they're white. She says thanks for that, uh, Jennifer. You can continue this conversation on the political side of it. Upraxcess at gmail dot com or eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. A brief break, and then we'll be talking with Lance Syrett from Ruby's Inn. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And Cash Arts presents performer and science educator David Epley, Dr. Kaboom, with science experiments designed to involve, excite, educate, and entertain. Monday, January 14th at 7.30 p.m. at the Ellen Eccles Theater. Ticket and seating information at cashearts.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We'll conclude the program with a program with an interview, which I conducted with Lance Syrett with Ruby's Inn. That's next to Bryce Canyon National Park, and uh, we had that interview about an hour ago. I know you've gotten a lot of inquiries. Let me start there. Um, yeah. you, you've <laughs> Ruby's Inn is kind of a go-to. I remember I talked to you on a previous government shutdown. Right. This is. Um, so, um, I'm reading from the, your website, by the way, I'll give a plug here, rubiesin.com. Um, during the shutdown of the federal government, due to the lapse of appropriation, national parks will remain as accessible as possible. So Bryce, right. Bryce Canyon National Park, uh, how accessible is it at this point? So, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Bryce Canyon National Park, uh, the, the park's really divided up into two sections. There's the kind of iconic, what they call the main amphitheater, which is between, like, Sunrise Point and Bryce Point. And, uh, and then there's the further points, Yovimpa, Farview, those type of points. And uh, those further points uh, is about two-thirds of the park. And then... Uh, 
In the amphitheater, the amphitheater is only half open, so those iconic views from uh, Inspiration Point, Bryce Point, those are all closed. So really right now, Bryce Canyon is open. The visitor center is open. Um, but, uh, you know, Sunset Point, Sunrise Point, uh, I guess the difference between last time I talked to you during the last closure, Tom, is that in 2013, you know, the gate was closed. Right now the gate's open. And, uh, man, i got to give a lot of credit to the state and local partners because we're not seeing any of those problems that those other national parks are seeing with sanitation, things like that. They've really stepped up, and, and our park's clean. Our visitors wish they could visit more of it, but uh, we're definitely not having any of those issues. All right, now, this would be a somewhat slow time anyway, but you would still get visitors, would you, this time of year? Oh, yeah. As I say, uh, our winters have become... Uh, better and better uh you know this shutdown what is this the third week and uh you know it started right before christmas and uh you know destination christmas has become a big thing and uh, the last couple of years we've been selling out over christmas and uh this christmas we didn't you know and uh a lot of our visitors are international a lot of those guys have uh you know months of planning before they're going to come so those guys came anyway but uh you know what we saw is a lot of uh drop at the last uh second bookings you know those who wake up and say, where are we going to go today, or, or something like that. We just didn't get a lot of walk-in traffic, and we, we think we were down about 20 or 30% over the holidays. Now, uh, heaven forbid this would last into your <laughs> really busy season. Do you, do, you have the, right. do you have those fears? Do you think this is going to get wrapped up? <laughs> I, I have hope that it is. Um, you know, hopefully cooler heads will prevail. I know there's a president's going to address the nation today uh, or tonight, and I, I, I just really hope... Uh, you know, the spirit of negotiation can take over and get into a room. And, you know, it's like my dad was saying the other day, uh, you know, negotiation is where you give and take. And it just doesn't seem like we have enough of that in Washington, D.C. these days. And, and hopefully we can uh, get past this. Because, hey, uh, you know, down here in Garfield County, so Garfield County is, uh, you know, a county here in southern Utah. It's the size of the state of Connecticut. It's, 90, it's over 90% federal owned. So 90% of our county right now is shut down, and uh, and that's it. You know, we don't have industry. Uh, you guys up there at Utah State, you know, there's a lot of manufacturing and stuff like that that goes on in the Logan Valley, and, you know, you look at what's happened on the Silicon Slopes. We don't have any of that. We have tourism. That's all we have, and, and it's we're not open for business right now, at least not fully, and uh, it's all we got. It's, it's going to hurt if this stays closed. You have, what, some 200 employees there, do you? Well, we have 200 year-round employees, year round, okay. um, and those are employees that have full benefits, health insurance, dental, vision. You know, we, we've got that's our core year-round staff. But during peak season, you know, starting about April or May, we ramp up to about 600 employees. We have a lot of seasonal workers who come in for the season, and uh, and uh, yeah, as I say, I mean, really, if uh, we get to the spring and it's still shut down, you know, there's I mean, there's three or four hundred jobs uh, that aren't gonna aren't gonna happen if we don't. We don't have to ramp up because people aren't seeing us. Then, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna hurt a lot of people's jobs. And and really, for those 200 our, our core employees year round that have benefits and insurance and stuff, uh, you know, we're still doing okay. But yeah, prolonged shutdown. Yeah, we'd have to seriously look at, you know, uh, laying those people off, and they would lose their insurances and things like that. So we definitely don't want to do that. Uh, what do you hear from the state? The state's going to continue to uh, pay to keep some of the, the parts of the park open for, uh, for how long? Do, what do you hear? 
Absolutely, and, and that's a neat story because, you know, when the state uh, initially started paying, uh, there was a certain date, I think it was the 31st or 1st of uh, January, which they committed to pay through. And really, I give a lot of credit to local partners. Uh, you know, the media has kind of touched on them, like the Bryce Canyon Natural History Association, uh, Gail Pollock up there, the CEO, uh, Zion Forever Project, these foundations that uh, support the national parks, they've stepped up in a huge way, and because they've augmented those funds, um, I was on a call with the uh, state officials yesterday, and they say, you know, basically they're, they're funding money. They've only spent about 70% of what they had committed to pay through the 1st of January. So that money has been augmented, and uh, local partners have stepped up in a huge way. Uh, Garfield County here, uh, Washington County, St. George City, everybody's stepping up. Everybody loves these national parks, and everybody understands the economic impact of keeping the parks open is. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – so anyway, so uh, I can't do the math to prorate what the state's going to pay, how much longer, but uh, – You've got a commitment here in Bryce Canyon from local partners to keep the park open, you know, for months. So, and that's going to happen. So, uh, finally, uh, you just—I've read—you uh, say that uh, part of the impact on on you is mm-hmm. is uh, I guess what people are hearing, and and it's bookings, right? right? Uh, bookings out uh, out of ways. How has that been going? Yeah, as I say, it's that long-term impact, and uh, again, uh, a huge part of the visitorship to the national parks and Bryce Canyon specifically. More than half of our visitors come from international. So you you think of countries like Germany and France and China and Japan, and a lot of those people travel over the holidays. You know, specifically China, we get a ton of Chinese that travel over the holidays. And uh, you know, I'm not checking the Chinese papers, but I assume. Uh, a lot of those visitors went back and said, you wouldn't believe it, and we went to the U.S., and uh, their national parks were closed. And that that's going to dampen future bookings because you think about it, okay, so you're a person that lives uh, in China or uh, France or, your, or Germany or somewhere, and you've saved uh, your entire life to go on a U.S. vacation, and you want to see all the highlights, you want to see the Grand Canyon, you want to see Bryce Canyon, uh, Zion, all these places, and uh, – and you come over here, and they're closed. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, everybody, uh, what I say, uh, it's kind of like going to Disneyland and having Disneyland be closed. Uh, you know, that's kind of the impact that these people are seeing. And, and right now, yeah, the uh, the parks are partially open, and, and thank goodness they are because people, some people are still traveling. But, uh, man, just imagine if you went to Disneyland and they still charge you full price, and then you went in and uh, they only had Main Street USA open. You know, and that's kind of what we've got right now with the national parks. We just need to get them open again. Uh, one final question. Uh, there, uh, I wonder what the mood is there in Garfield County. The, the, the blame game on this government shutdown is an important part of the politics of this. And uh, are, are, <laughs> are, are Garfield County, are they talking about it, blaming both sides, the president, Congress, or uh, what, what's the mood there? Well, as I say, I, I think you got – People on both sides of the issue, just like anything. And uh, as I said before, I think uh, uh, our politics would be better served if uh, you know we we negotiated a little bit more, and we, you know, we don't have to play to the base. Um, you know, not everybody has to get everything they want all the time. You can get in the room and negotiate. Not, and I think that's the thing uh, down here in Garfield County. I think most people are pretty reasonable, and uh, you know, you get in a room and. Uh, I'm going to a government meeting here in just a few minutes where we're going to award some grants for some uh, some events and stuff. And some of the things that go on maybe you don't agree with, but, uh, you know, it's it's a give and take. And uh, I, I think our politics would be better served if that's the way we did things. 
Well, uh, Lance Syrett, who uh, is general manager, I believe, you're titled there at, uh, at Ruby's Inn, uh, adjacent Correct. to Bri- Bryce Canyon National Park. And the, the word is, um, at least part of the park is open, some of the, the best attractions. So right. you, you can come still on down. Come down. You can still take that picture of Thor's hammer, come down. Um, incidentally, you know, right now is our winter season. I always say Bryce Canyon is just like a cake. It's a little better with a little icing on top of it. And we've got our <laughs> cross-country skiing. We've got our ice rink open, uh, snowshoeing, and all that is still available. And people can come down and do that. And, uh, you know, it's a lot cheaper than taking a ski re- ski vacation to the resort. You know, you go to a resort, you're going to spend 100 150 bucks a day. You come down here, you're going to spend more like 20 or 30 for the same experience. So come on down. We'd love to have you. All right, Lancerette, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. And our thanks to all of our guests on the program today and our listeners who have responded. You can still respond, upraxcess at gmail.com. And uh, the, the story continues, obviously. The president will address the nation tonight. We'll have that on UPR. That's at 7 o'clock. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we're going to look back at the 2016 takeover of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, Peter Walker, who uh, teaches at University of Oregon, is out with a new book. It's called Sagebrush Collaboration, How Harney County Defeated the Takeover of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. In his book, uh, he says that uh, the takeover failed um, because uh, the citizens of Harney County there had invested decades in collaboratively solving the very problems that the militia used to justify their anti-federal government revolution. We're going to talk about it. That's the program tomorrow. hope you join us. Thanks for listening today. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org. Do you put things off until the last minute and then feel guilty about it? Why? Nobody wants to be a procrastinator. Nobody makes that decision. At least, nobody makes that decision right away. We'll explore procrastination. Hopefully we'll get around to it. Next time on To the Best of Our Knowledge from PRX. Sunday morning at 9 on Utah Public Radio.